Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek, and we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We will offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco, and we are excited to have a special guest on with us today, Mika Shaw. Uh, Mika grew up in Washington, Alaska, South Africa, and England. Uh, Her swimming brought her to California for college, where she competed for Golden West College and UC Berkeley. Two years after graduating and retiring from the sport, Mika started training for the 2008 Olympics in open water swimming. Her experience competing at an elite level and focusing on the mental side of performance is what inspires her work today. As a mom, forever athlete, and meditation teacher, Mika helps athletes strengthen their mindset and improve overall well-being with simple, mindful mindfulness practices and meditation. Mika, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So one of the things I always like to start our, our guests with is just what, when did you kind of get into mindset training and, and first really learn about the importance of it? Yeah. Um, well, in college, I um, I've always struggled with nerves so like performance anxiety was a big um issue for me I would it felt like a very intense experience um before I would race I would I would feel so terrified Mm -hmm. I I would want to run away and hide and my hands would go numb my throat would tighten my you know I got butterflies in my stomach and I wanted to feel calm and confident um and I, I just always had this sense that I was getting in my own way, and mm-hmm. I, but I didn't know what to do about it. We didn't have, or at least I didn't know of any like sports psychology um, psychologists on campus. Um, I didn't really know how to articulate like how I was feeling and like that I needed help. So I just never said anything in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I decided to start training for open water swimming, which just so happened to be a sport I had never actually competed in. (laughs) I knew that I needed to work on the mental side of sports and I didn't really know what that meant. So I literally went to Barnes and Noble. I bought every book I could on like athlete mindset, sports psychology. um, And I just started reading, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. I found a lot of the books back then. I think now there's way better resources out there to tell you about like how amazing athletes mindsets are, but not really helping you improve it yourself. Um, So I ended up finding a book called the mental edge by Ken Baum. And I read that and it really resonated with me. And I felt like it had actually like things I could actually do and work on to improve my mindset. 
and at the back of the book, it had like, call this number for extra resources. Yeah. And I called the number and Ken answered. Mm -hmm. He he just happened to work, um, live and work not too far from where I was training. Mm -hmm. So uh, I actually started working with him throughout my sort of Olympic um, hopeful process. Okay. And I made just a lot of improvements in a very short amount of time. And that really sort of solidified to me the importance of the mental side. Right. Um, but it wasn't really until I didn't make the Olympics and dealt with sort of the sense of like failure and shame and just like moving on to living life, you know, without being an athlete and the sort of the struggles that I went through with that, becoming a mom, starting a family. That's what got me into mindfulness and meditation. And I started to understand sort of more of the holistic approach that, you know, you need to do more than just work on positive self-talk before a race or whatever it is you need to like take care of your whole self. And when you take care of your whole self, you can, you have like a hundred percent of your focus and energy to perform, you know, at your best. Right. Awesome. So a couple, a couple of things I want to kind of touch on there. So was it mainly in at the college level that you started noticing like the performance anxiety or, or was that something you kind of dealt with really all through, you know, swimming? Yeah. I don't remember high school. I think I was, ner I think I would always get nervous before yeah. a race, but, um, I, in high school, I was in Alaska and so it was a very small swimming mm -hmm. community. So I wasn't exposed to, um, I never went to nationals. I, you know, I, I was a junior national level swimmer, you know, we didn't travel that far. So like in my bubble, I improved and became one of the best in my bubble. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Golden West, um, it was the same thing. I was really intimidated to be in California because California is obviously has amazing swim programs. Um, but I ended up contributing and being, um, you know, one of the fastest on my team. Okay. So even though I was nervous, I think I also knew like, well, I have a good shot of like, I can win if I yeah. have a good race. Right. Um, and Cal, when I, when I transferred to Cal, that was kind of a mind blowing experience for me. So it was the first time I was around Olympians, world record holders. You know, I would, we would go to a dual meet and there would be like three Olympians in my heat. Right. And I was so intimidated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when I really started to feel like I don't belong, like I'm not good enough. These people are so amazing. And yeah. I remember several times competing against these athletes and slowing down because I would have the thought like they're an Olympian. I'm not that good. So I shouldn't be next to them. Okay. I yeah. now and I'm like, why? You know? <laughs> Right. It's so frustrating, but that's just, so, so that was really sort of when it's, I felt like I was really getting in my own way because sure. I just felt very overwhelmed and intimidated. Yeah. W was there a specific, I'm sure there were a number of different things, but anything that you felt like got you over that hump um, a little bit as far as a specific skill that you learned or was it just kind of a combination of a, a number of different things? I think it was a number of different things. So I did have a good experience at Cal and I improved every year and 
you know, contributed in a little way, but I always felt like I could have done better and I had way more to give to the sport. So when I started, um, when I started open water swimming and I started working with Ken, um, he helped me focus on, you know, the things as, as overplayed as it is, but like control the controllables, like what are you in control of and focusing on that? Um, that was really helpful for me. I think the sort of evolution of me dealing with like performance anxiety or just my nerves has really been a longer process than just my swimming career. So I, I think I improved upon that when I was swimming, but it was after the fact, after I was done swimming that I had this realization, which would have been really nice to have (laughs) earlier on that it was just more of a reframing of the experience. So I always thought that like I needed to feel calm and confident. That was like, I want to feel calm and confident, but I feel like terrified. I feel like I can't breathe, you know, just like all of these, I, the way I would narrate the experience to myself was very negative. And, um, through sort of processing my athletic experience and moving on with my life and getting more into the mental side, I realized that when I felt that way, I actually performed pretty well. (laughs) And more often than not, sort of the more intense it felt, the better I swam. Mm -hmm. And so I started to realize like, it's not scary and a negative. It literally is my body like telling my brain that it's ready to race. And I just have to like, let it kind of let it happen. Um, and so it really changed like how I described that experience for myself from Mm -hmm. like terrifying to excited. And then when I was able to make that switch to wait, I'm just, I'm really excited to perform right now. It made it easier to sort of sit with those uncomfortable (laughs) feelings because it didn't change the way my body felt, just changed the way I perceived it. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's such a a good point, right. And, and perception and how we can, look at a situation in two different ways. One, you know, creates a certain um, anxiety and, and uh, can affect the performance and the other, you know, maybe that, that anxiousness is still there, um, but we reframe it in a, in a different way that allows us to just go out and kind of compete. And as you said, let things, your skills just take over. Yeah. Awesome. The, the other thing I wanted to hit on, it's a little outside of what we were talking about, but I, I think something that's so important, you said transitioning from after sports and what that was like, you know, I, we see that so often with athletes and, and, you know, the end of their career, whether that's, um, you know, chosen or, or injury related or, you know, whatever that may be, but that can be such a tough, difficult transition. Um, so just, I know you hit on a couple little things already, but what helped you in that phase? Yeah, I think I didn't really acknowledge, I, that was definitely part, like a big part of my journey Yeah. Um, to what I do today is because I, I felt such a deep sense of failure and shame for not making the Olympics. 
I didn't give myself credit for any of uh -huh. the fact that I started a sport I never competed in and right. improved a lot. And I actually got, you know, almost made it. So like almost isn't making it, but like, I, I wish I would have given myself a little bit more credit for what I did accomplish. So I just kind of shoved all of that pain mm -hmm. and failure down, ignored it, and which I think everybody can acknowledge is not a good coping skill. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. And I started a family. So I was, you know, distracted by, you know, babies and, you know, life was great. And so I just kind of always thought like, well, I have so much to be grateful for now, but I didn't really acknowledge um, any of that experience. So when I started meditating, that was something that kept coming up for me. Like I couldn't, um, I couldn't sort of hold it down anymore. And I realized that like I needed to talk about it and I needed to, to work through it. Yeah. Um, so that really motivates me with working with athletes now. Cause I think that transition from athlete into the real world, not real world, but it, you know, to life outside of being an athlete, um, I think there's more talk about it now, but it is such a challenging time. And when you're so focused on one thing and then you stop doing that one thing, it can mm -hmm. be so overwhelming with like, well, wh who are you? <laughs> what do you, you know, what do you do now? Mm -hmm. Um, so it was definitely a big, long process for me to, to work through that. And I think I was fortunate because I did have a solid um, personal life mm -hmm. that I transitioned into. Right. Um, but I just didn't acknowledge, I just kind of, I stopped following swimming. I didn't really, I wasn't really involved in the sport at all. I kind of like mm -hmm. pretended that that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. You said that was going to be my next question was, were you able to follow swimming or still engage in any way in swimming. I know when I stopped playing hockey after college, like it was probably three years, not really not until my kids got involved in the sport that kind of brought me back. Um, yeah. But I think that's a common, common thing that that can happen. Yeah, I didn't, I had a couple friends that were still swimming, so I would keep in contact with them, but I didn't mm -hmm. follow like the news. I definitely didn't keep up with like open water swimming and what was going on. And um, it wasn't until just a couple years. And I always like every, this was the first Olympics. And it's interesting because I think, I mean, I've listened to a lot of podcasts lately with people I trained with and they're yeah. talking about their experience too. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, this was the first Olympics I was able to watch Okay. and not feel like this lump in my heart yeah um so that felt pretty good because it's obviously been a while but um yeah I'd always get like a little I'd still watch the Olympics but I'd always have this just I guess a bruise or a scar on yeah. my heart and it just as excited as I was to watch it it felt a little painful as well right um and it wasn't actually a couple of years ago I had got invited to a to be like an athlete representative for a USA Swimming open okay. water select camp. And I got up and I shared my story and which felt good to just like say it out loud. And then we went to a lake and everybody did like a practice swim. And I was like, I'm going to swim with them. 
and I haven't swam in a long time. I basically swam by myself because they all just took off. And I was so happy to be in the water and to not let that in like sort of feeling like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to do it because I'm not in shape. I'm not going to be competitive with them. I mean, they're high school. I just turned 40. Like I just, it's fine that I'm not competitive with them, but I've always, I've held back, I guess, a little bit from doing races like local races that I used to do because I would tell myself that story well like he used to win that how embarrassing is it going to be to show up and you know be last potentially (laughs) where now I feel like I can accept that more and just folk like I just let it's exciting now again which is exciting um, for me yeah kind of back to what you said earlier just perception and how we reframe things and and view things right Absolutely. So tell me that kind of that was, you know, your career in some ways that that the mental side impacted your career on a on a individual level. Tell tell me a little more about what you're doing now um, with athletes and and your uh, mindfulness training. Yeah. So so a couple after I um had my I think it was my my first child my son I got into I got my Pilates certification and then I ended up getting two yoga certifications and um I loved yoga and Pilates but I was like why I just don't really like teaching which I it would have been maybe good if I learned that after the first certification but I guess I also like learning so it was a I mean it was a great process for me um but I was running in my garage training for my first marathon and I was like I don't really want to teach yoga I just keep coming back to how much I love being an athlete like and the mental side of it that's like really what I'm interested in and I just had this aha moment well what if I taught athletes how to meditate taught them mindfulness um and maybe helped them transit make that have their experience be a little bit more positive maybe with transitioning out outside of the sport or just being able to be more grateful for their experience rather than just so focused on the end result or like the one goal that either uh, makes it makes or breaks it for you um so then I just started reaching out to coaches asking if I could you know speak to their team um try to get you know, athletes to work with, and I've sort of grown from there. I'm currently in grad school getting my master's in sports psychology. Okay. Um, but my training, I did go, I have like a meditation teacher training certification too, yeah. and my focus is definitely more on mindfulness and meditation. Okay. Um, but I'm excited with like my studies in grad school to just, you know, yeah. have a more encompassing education and offering that I can help athletes with. Right. Awesome. Are there, do you do more work with swimmers or it's just kind of, um, you know, all athletes? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any swimming clients right now. I have, I'm working with a CrossFit athlete, um, a ballet dancer, um, track and field, um, I've done a little corporate work this this year, working with um, you know businesses in a very competitive environment, and Absolutely. they're they're 
like mindfulness and meditation. It's, you know, it's the same skill set. You just, just like describing it in a different way right. um, for performance. Um, so yeah, I'm not, not um, just in the swim community, but just any athlete. Awesome. Yeah. So are there um, another kind of just final question I, I like to ask our guests are, is there any, specific exercise or thing whether it was during your you know swimming career or something you even use with with athletes today um, a specific exercise kind of your go-to exercise um, again whether it was for yourself or or something you, you teach athletes today yeah um so i firmly believe in keeping it really simple and starting super small. So usually when I start working with an athlete um, and we start working on practices, I start with one minute of deep breathing (laughs) and Mm -hmm. very simple. Um, But I think it's a great start to a meditation practice, just being aware of your breath, you know, even though you're controlling, you know, the depth and the length of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a good foundation to move into meditation and I also think that understanding your breath and being able to focus on your breath and to calm yourself down to notice if you're feeling anxious and to be able to take a couple deep breaths and actually like feel have that muscle memory Mm -hmm. of okay when I take these deep breaths I I I feel myself calm down I feel more focused um I think that is that's my favorite way to start. And I think mm-hmm. it's such a good building block for the rest of the mental skills. Absolutely. And this may kind of tie into to that answer, but what would you say to athletes oftentimes with the meditation, the mindfulness, sometimes you get, well, you know, that's something I'm just not that good at, or it's really hard for me to stay focused for, you know, that long or whatever. And so they kind of maybe try it, but give up, give up on it quickly. Yeah. Um, I think that's very common. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I think that's why I try to start really small. So, you know, I, when I work with an athlete, we start with one minute of breathing and then we add, you know, one more minute and then maybe Mm -hmm. we move on to a three minute meditation and I let them decide when they're ready to add another minute. Yeah. Um, and more to create the habit and to, you know, that, okay, like I can do this every day mm-hmm. and to get to a point where you feel comfortable with that, with that habit. Right. Um, and then as far as I, you know, I think that's probably one of the most common hindrances to people starting a meditation practice is that they think that they have to stop their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and have this clear mind and then obviously they close their eyes and try and it's like well that's just impossible so i'm not going to try so i try to reinforce um you know consistently that you're not supposed to stop thinking you know you're just accepting the present moment for what it is and it's that moment where you realize you're not focused on your breath or, you know, whatever the meditate, the focus of the meditation is and you choose to come back to your breath. Mm-hmm. That is the practice. And right. that is like that little 
rep where you're getting stronger. So it's not a failure to get distracted. It's, it's part of the process. Like that is, that is the practice. No, I think and that, I, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that, um, I think, I mean, the consistency is huge with mental skills. And I think that's kind of a hard one too. People are like, oh, I just want to take the deep breath when I'm anxious. It's like, no, you have to practice it every day. Or you know, you have to practice it consistently right. so that it works when you really need it. Exactly. Um, but I think when you establish, when you're able to have the consistency with meditation and establish it, then when you're in your sport, you notice when you get distracted by a competitor or pain, fatigue, uh, you know, frustration, whatever it is. And then there's that little moment where you're like, oh, wait, I can come back to my body, come back to my feet on the ground, come back to my breath. And I can, I can focus on the task at hand. And I think that's like the really exciting part when you are able to see it in your sport and that helps you like fuel your desire to keep practicing. Yeah. I, what you said there, I think is so key with, with the whole, you know, it's not about just having a blank, clear mind, right. That, that often, is the struggle and, and why people say, or feel like they're not doing it correctly because their mind races or whatever. But like you said, the practice is accepting that and bringing it back, right? Um, you know, that's part of, of sports, right? You're gonna be kind of, there'll be all those distractions and the highs and lows and all that and the ability to kind of, you know, train yourself to bring it back to that present moment. Um, is is essential so yeah i think that's an important tip for you know athletes to come away with so awesome um so how can i, I usually ask our guests to have social media anyway people can kind of check what you're doing out yeah um i technically am on social media <laughs> however <laughs> I've kind of decided to explore life without it, yep. which uh, maybe maybe won't last long. I'm not quite sure, but um, that's a whole other story. But I am on Instagram at Mika Shaw, M-I-C-H-A-S-H-A-W. Um, but if people want to, you know, learn more about me or um, get in contact, my website is MikaShaw.com. You can sign up for my monthly newsletter. Um, which would be probably the best way to keep up with, with what I'm doing. Cool. And is there some, some kind of little tips and skills or in that newsletter that people will, will get or? Yeah, I try to share, you know, um, little tips and, and practices to incorporate into your life and share podcasts I'm on or, you know, workshops I'm doing kind of other opportunities to practice and learn. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate it. Awesome information. And, and um, thanks so much for, for being on with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really lovely talking with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. 
Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills that you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.